This happened to me about two years ago while I was babysitting my best friend's kid. My friend had a pretty important meeting that morning and couldn't find a sitter that would be able to make it there in the time that she needed, so I offered. I made it to the house at 8am, got the little guy out of bed, made sure he brushed his teeth and then started getting his breakfast ready. It was Saturday, so there was no real rush to get him out of his pajamas even though his mom was a bit of a prude, I let him watch cartoons while I cooked. While I finished up the eggs, I heard him talking in the living room. That wasn't anything new. A lot of the shows he watched were in the vein of Door the Explorer or Blue's Clues, shows that called for interaction from the kid watching. As I listened in, though, I noticed he wasn't responding to the bubbly personality on the screen. Rather, he was responding to... himself? Again, I didn't think too much of it as kids talk to themselves all the time, but when I went to get him for breakfast, he wasn't even watching TV. He was sitting in the corner, just staring at the wall, talking up a storm. And he seemed annoyed. Parker, what's what's wrong, bud? Who are you talking to? He spun around, startled. The tiredness in his eyes was all but gone now. No one? He said sheepishly. You're not in trouble, buddy. I tried to reassure him. I just thought there was someone else in the house, and I wanted to make sure you were safe. He just nodded and made his way back to the kitchen, whispering a small thank you as he went. I stood there for a moment, just staring at the corner as if something was going to come out of the wall and say, Sorry about that, that was me talking to the kid. Luckily, nothing did, and I went to sit at the table with Parker, hoping I could pull something out of him. How'd you sleep last night, Parker? Not too bad. He was only eight, but he spoke like a right gentleman. It was cute. I did have a bad dream, though. It's the one I've had before. I found myself holding my coffee just under my nose, not to take in the aroma, but because I felt like I needed to hide from him. I wasn't a parent, never really wanted to be one, so I tended to get defensive in situations like this. I didn't want to say the wrong thing and have Parker tell his mom I'm a terrible babysitter. I pushed for more details. Do you mind telling me about it? He pushed down an exaggerated sigh and explained. It starts with me waking up in my bed, but my room looks different. My floors are wood and my bed squeaks when I get up. I walk over to play with my toys, but they aren't there. They're old toys. They're all made of wood or metal and aren't very fun. After that, my bedroom door opens, but it isn't my bedroom door. The glow-in-the-dark stars are gone. It's just plain. It squeaks just like the bed does. I look at the doorway, and there's a big man standing there. He isn't fat, though. He's just really tall. Reminds me of a strong man from the circus. He never talks to me, but I get up and walk over to him. He takes my hand and walks me out of the bedroom. In the hallway, I see a reflection in the mirror, but I don't see me. I see another kid. Someone I don't know. I can't see the man's face. He's too tall. He takes me, or the kid, I guess, outside to his truck. He makes the kid get in the back of his truck and tells him to wrap him in a blanket. It's really cold, and the blanket doesn't help. The ride lasts for a long time. 
When the truck stops, I hear the man get out and open the truck door on the back. I can't move now. Too cold. He carries me for a while before dropping me on the ground. I hear him start digging. And I wake up. I... I wanted to cry. I felt so bad for this kid. That dream was way too vivid and way too dark for him to come up with on the spot. Not only that, but I think I knew what question I had to ask next. Do you think the person you've been talking to in the living room is the boy from your dreams? He nodded, then asked if he could go back out and watch cartoons. I told him that was fine and started cleaning up. I wasn't sure what to do at that point. I felt like I was living a shitty horror movie. I shot a text to his mom letting her know that I wanted to talk to her about Parker and that it was nothing too serious, but it was really important. That night, Parker's mom and I spoke for about three hours about what we should do. We talked about therapy, mostly, but she was pretty nervous about that. Parker had trouble opening up to new people, and she wasn't even sure if she could afford it. We finally decided to just give him a few days and see if things got worse. She asked me to stay over for those days, just so she'd have someone else there with her in case things got worse. I agreed, and I'm glad I did. Monday night, two days after Parker told me about his nightmare, he woke up the whole house by screaming out from his room. His mom and I both ran in, her scooping him up and me sitting beside them for moral support. I didn't want to intrude too much until I saw it. There was a little boy in the corner of his room. A little boy who was a deep shade of blue with dark lips and dirt in his hair and mud on his shoes. Sarah, we need to leave. I barely spoke over a whisper, but she heard me and didn't argue. We grabbed a few changes of clothes, wrapped up Parker, and headed out for a hotel that night. Sarah and I spoke for a few more hours that night, and I explained what Parker had told me on Saturday and what I saw that night. After much deliberation, it was decided that they'd come stay with me and put that house up for sale. Neither of us were big believers in the paranormal, but there were far too many coincidences. Not only that, but my house was only about a 15-minute drive from Sarah's job, and Parker wouldn't have to change schools. As I said at the top, this was two years ago. Sarah and I are now engaged, and Parker has been doing much better. The house was eventually sold to an older gentleman and his wife, and I hope they have a better time in there than Parker and Sarah did. As I said in the title, I've been dealing with some weird shit lately, and I can't really think of anyone to go to other than the internet. My friends and family don't believe in this stuff, and I'm not to the point of hiring a stranger to come investigate my home. That's silly. I'm sure there's a logical explanation for everything here. I just need someone to actually see this post before it's taken down. This started two weeks ago, in my bedroom. A few times throughout the night, I'd wake up freezing. Turns out, my blanket had fallen off the bed. I'll admit that I do roll over a lot when I sleep, but never so much to throw my blanket off of myself. 
This kept happening for about three nights, so I decided to film myself sleeping to see if my rolling around was really causing the blanket to fall from the bed. It wasn't. For the three nights that I filmed, somewhere around three in the morning, my blanket would simply slide off the bed. It was like someone was taking it off to wash it, but I never saw anyone. A few minutes after it hit the floor, I'd wake up freezing. Some people have asked for a more clear time frame, so I'll just say that this did start around November, so yes, it just could be cold in my house, but I keep the heat pretty much on all night. I shouldn't wake up freezing. A few more days passed, and more things began to happen. On nights that I didn't wake up freezing, I'd have terrible nightmares that left me groggy every morning before work. I decided I'd give coffee a try. I was never a big fan of it, but I figured with enough cream and sugar, anything can taste good. The first morning I made it, my cup moved behind my back. I know that sounds insane, and I think this is where I normally lose people, but hear me out. I would place the mug down beside the coffee pot, then turn around to grab the sugar and cream from the fridge. When I would turn back around, the mug wouldn't be on the counter with the coffee pot, but rather on the island in the middle of the kitchen. And for the sake of getting asked this 100 times, yes, I live alone. There was no one over to visit, and no one else in the house. I've been alone while all of this has been happening. That's why I'm so freaked out. The teleporting mug and the blankets being taken off me in the middle of the night have been fairly constant over these two weeks, but there's something new that I'm experiencing. Well, it's a little scarier than the other things. A few days ago, I woke with my back right shoulder blade feeling incredibly sore. My first thought was that I just slept on it wrong or pulled a muscle, but when I went to apply Icy Hot to it, I noticed it was raised. There was a welt on my back. I grabbed a mirror and ran to the bathroom to look at it. I wish I could show you all, but every time I try to upload it, something goes wrong or the photo gets corrupted. So I'll do my best to explain it. In the simplest terms, it's a hand, but a rather big one. It's bright red, like a sunburn, but not hot to the touch. Its middle finger barely crests over my shoulder, and the bottom of the palm is just slightly below my actual shoulder blade. In an attempt to stop any other questions, I'm expecting, yes, I've been to the doctor. Well, more specifically, the emergency room. I was too freaked out about it to book an appointment and wait. The doctor told me it was likely eczema or a similar skin rash, prescribed an ointment, and sent me on my way. When I asked him why it was shaped like a giant hand, he just laughed, told me I was seeing things. It's also worth noting that it's not itchy, either. I'm afraid that there's something going on in my house, and it's made even worse by the fact that no one believes me. If you read this post before it's likely taken down and think you know what it is or how to stop it, please reach out to me. I'm scared. Since I was old enough to understand what ghosts were and old enough to watch Ghost Hunters, 
I told my parents I wanted to do that for a living. As an adult, I understand how ridiculous that dream was. I'm not even sure being a professional ghost hunter is a thing, but that didn't stop me from asking for ghost hunting kits every year for my birthday until I was 16. That was the year my parents caved. They told me that I could have it as long as I was safe and didn't do anything stupid. Basically, don't break into any abandoned buildings or asylums looking for ghosts because I'll more than likely find a trespassing charge rather than the paranormal. I understood where they were coming from, so I looked up a few haunted locations in my area. A few were old bridges that were way too dangerous to cross, or places that were long abandoned and forgotten to time that were fenced off. It took a few hours, but I finally ran across something that was safe to visit, and wouldn't get me in trouble. At least I hoped. It was a cemetery, about a mile from my house. I won't share the location of the cemetery, because while the story takes place nearly 30 years ago, the cemetery is now a protected historical landmark, and I don't want this comment held against me if someone tries something stupid. I set out one night with a friend, assuring my parents we'd be safe and we wouldn't get into any trouble. The cemetery was creepy enough during the day, but at night, it was something completely different. Some of the headstones were falling over due to age, some were completely split. There were even some large tombs that had been erected some hundred years ago. We walked the perimeter, doing an EMF sweep, but nothing came up. We then decided to try out that digital voice recorder and see if we could speak to anyone. I suggested we do a blast session. It's a silly ghost hunting term that means we'd ask a question, wait about a minute or 30 seconds, and listen back to see if anything spoke back. It was a good way to communicate with whatever may be out there. For clarity, I'll format this next part like a conversation because there was definitely someone there. Austin started with a simple, Is anyone here with us tonight? We sat across from each other, legs crossed, and about a foot from the closest headstone, one that was incredibly weathered and on the verge of falling over. I stopped the recording and played it back. We heard Austin ask his question through the tiny, crackly speaker and then listened harder for a response. Yes. It was faint, nearly a whisper, but we knew what it was the moment we heard it. We must have played it back five or six times before we tried again with the same tactic. This time I asked the question, how old were you when you died? It was a pretty brutal question in retrospect, but I was 16 and stupid. We ran the recording back and heard the same voice only seconds after mine say, 72. It was clearer this time, and it sounded closer. I knew what we had to do next. One thing the ghost hunting kit didn't come with was a night vision camera. I assumed that was because they're much more expensive than a recorder and a plastic box with some LEDs on it. Luckily, my parents thought about that and were able to get one for me. It was the cheapest possible one at the time and could only record about 10 frames a second, literally, but it worked. I held it as steadily as I could and pointed it to Austin while he held out the EMF detector and the voice recorder. 
Then, he started asking questions and running the recording back periodically. Everything was quiet for a while, and we thought maybe what we'd heard was nothing more than our imagination. That was until I saw something on my camera. Austin, don't move, I said. There was a large mass of pure black only inches from his back and it was towering over him, which wasn't an easy feat. Austin was the center for our school basketball team at the time, mostly because he was 6'3", but the shadow was well over that. Maybe even a full seven feet. There were no features, no arms or legs. It was just a blob. I'm not sure how much time passed before Austin responded to my warning of not moving, but when he did, all he said was, I can't. Watching the jumpy video from the camera, I saw this black blob slowly moving its way over top Austin. I could tell he was terrified, and I knew something was wrong, but I did the only logical thing I could think of in that situation. I threw the camera in my bag, snatched Austin by the arm, and yanked him toward me while yelling, Run! I'm not sure either of us had ever run that fast in our lives. We hopped on our bikes and pedaled until the cemetery was out of sight. Once we felt we were far enough away, we collapsed into a ditch just long enough to catch our breath. While lying there, I noticed Austin's breathing seemed off, so I shined my flashlight on him to make sure he was okay, and for the most part he was, but he was also crying. Anyone who grew up around the time that I did knows what this would usually lead to. Boys around that time were teased for showing emotion, but I could tell that he was really shook from the experience. I just told him I was sorry and gave him a hug. Shortly after, he calmed down and we made it back to my house in one piece. My dreams of being a ghost hunter were pretty much smashed that night. I never tried it again and probably never will. I still talk to Austin on a regular basis, and this story is one that comes up every year around Halloween. No one ever believes us, of course, but that's fine. We know what happened that night, and that's all that matters. My son told me about this thread because he knew I had quite the story. I'm new to Reddit and don't type on the computer often, so excuse any mistakes in my writing. This happened well over 30 years ago. I was in my early 20s and into my first real home. A well-off friend of mine's father was willing to rent it out for free for a month under the promise that I'd get a job in that time and start paying. It wasn't a bad deal, so I took it and started working as a bag boy at a mom and pop shop down the road. The store was only a 10-minute walk, and since I didn't have the money saved for a car, it made perfect sense for me. One-lane street with no white lines on the sides or even reflectors. Pretty dangerous at night if you weren't careful. I didn't figure that out till much later. I'd say about three months after moving into the house. The bag boy job was going well, but when my boss asked if I could work nights putting things on shelves for a pay raise, I took it in an instant. I'd always been a night owl, and having the whole day to myself sounded like a dream. Furthermore, I'd spoken with some of the night crew before, and they seemed like really good people. At this time, I still didn't have my car, so walking was my only choice. Sure, it was a short walk, but with my shift starting at midnight, it was pitch black when I went to work now. 
with all trees on each side of the street, the moonlight barely peeked through. This was well before cell phones that have everything you need on them, including a flashlight, so I'd take my own actual flashlight to light the way. I wouldn't admit to anyone at the time, but I had started jogging down that road just to get off it faster. I always felt like there was something out there. A few weeks after starting the night job, I learned that there was something out there. It started like any other night. I walked to the house, my uniform on and flashlight ready. Just as I was out of the glow of my porch light, I turned it on and stopped. I just froze in the middle of the road. My flashlight caught something in its cone of light. I thought at first it was a man, granted one that needed a lot of help, much more than I could have offered, but as I looked on, I noticed it was far too lanky to be a person. I've known tall people all my life, but when someone walks on their hands and knees, their back end is always higher. Their legs are most likely longer than their arms. This wasn't the case with this thing. It was on all fours, but its back half was much lower to the ground, almost like a squat. It had large, bony hands placed down in front of it, fingers pointing out and its elbows pointed inward. Thin, gray, and white hairs hung from its pockmarked and oily head. Its mouth was wide open and far too big for its face, and a thick black tongue hung from it, dripping with saliva. I think I heard it breathing, letting out gasping, raspy breaths. I wish I could say that I stood my ground and fought it off into the woods and brought it back to mount over the fireplace, but in reality I did none of that. I ran back to my house, slammed the door, turned all the lights on, and called my boss to tell him I wasn't coming in unless he was willing to come get me. When he asked what was wrong, I thought about telling him what I'd seen, but decided it was best to go with the more logical explanation. I told him I'd seen a bobcat, didn't feel too safe walking alone. He understood and came and got me. Work was a nice distraction for the rest of the night, but I still think about what the hell that thing was. To answer any questions before they're asked, no, I wasn't on anything, prescription or otherwise. Secondly, this happened in rural Georgia. I don't want to say too much about the location because I'm still fairly close to where it happened. And finally, no, I never saw it again, but I did hear something screaming out in the woods on a few occasions. And I know for certain it wasn't a bobcat. I've had a lot of people try to convince me that this was simply a case of sleep paralysis, but I've never believed it. There was definitely something else going on that night. I was about 15 or 16, and my parents had just moved us into a new house. It wasn't that old, maybe 20 or 30 years, but like a classic horror movie, the previous tenants had passed away in the house. My dad tried to convince my mom that it played no part in the house being sold well below market value, but we knew that's exactly what was happening. Either way, we were in a new house and were excited to get to know the new city, and I was ready to make some new friends since I had to switch schools. Everything was going wonderfully until about a month in. I started to have some pretty severe nightmares, which turned into night terrors. Three... Four times a week, I'd have the same dream. 
I'd see myself lying in my bed before it would change to a first-person perspective of someone standing outside looking at our house. I would hear heavy breathing, almost wheezing as if the person breathing was asthmatic. Through this POV, the person would make their way into our house via kicking open the front door and go straight to the room I was sleeping in. But I wasn't the one in the bed, and the house looked a lot different. It was older. The person in my bedroom was an older gentleman. He must have been quite a heavy sleeper as he didn't wake up until this other man placed his hands around his throat. My nightmare would end just as the old man's eyes would go completely bloodshot and his face turned a deep blue. I'd wake up, gasping for air, sweating profusely and screaming for my parents. This continued exactly like this for weeks. I was put into therapy, given sleeping medication, but nothing worked. It all came to a head the night after my 16th birthday. My parents tried to do something nice for me that day, but I was so perpetually tired that I could barely pay attention to anyone or anything. All I wished for that day was a decent night's sleep. Of course, that was too much to ask for. On our last night in that house, I fell asleep around 10pm and awoke in the middle of the night, completely unable to move. I was lying on my back, moving my eyes around to look around the room, but my actual body couldn't move, not even my mouth. I would guess that only a few seconds passed before I heard our front door splinter and hit the wall behind it. I fought to move because I knew it was going to come, but I couldn't. I heard the heavy-set man wheezing as he came down the hall into my room and stood over me for a moment before wrapping his giant hands around my neck. He squeezed, and I felt it. I swear I felt it. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't move. I was fighting against everything to lift a single finger for what felt like hours before finally I shot up in my bed, sucked in as much air as I could, and started looking around the room for the large man. But he wasn't there. Second, I tried to call for my mom, but my throat was so sore I couldn't speak above a whisper. I ran into their room and woke them up, trying to explain what happened. It took a few minutes, but when they saw the redness and bruises developing on my neck, they told me to stop talking, and we rushed to the ER. No one believed me, as you would imagine, and... I was even put on watch for some time while my throat recovered. I was incredibly lucky that nothing fractured or was broken. I spoke with my parents over the few weeks I was in the hospital and, despite everything, convinced them I wouldn't be staying in that house until something was done. We weren't religious, but after speaking with a priest, they suggested getting the house cleansed. Once that was over, I moved back in after staying with my aunt for a few days. The nightmares stopped sometime after that, and I never had another episode of sleep paralysis. I say that knowing full well that wasn't what it was in the first place, because as I found out later, the previous tenant didn't just die in that house. He was murdered by the husband of the woman he was sleeping with. She'd been killed as well a few hours before the man made it to my house. Hey everyone, I hope you all enjoyed these stories. I know the 
true scary stories is like kind of a change of pace on what we normally do here, but they're always fun to mess around with and see what people have experienced over the years. Um, I do want to pass a question off to you, as I normally do. Regarding the last story, have you all ever had an experience with sleep paralysis? I have. I think I've I've had about three notable experiences with it, <clears throat> but nothing to the extent of what that person was talking about. But also, like they said, it could have been something much more than just sleep paralysis. Um, I've never had a visual hallucination. I've had auditory hallucinations while under sleep paralysis, and I've genuinely think something grabbed my ankle at one point. If you're an OG fan of the channel, you probably already know my sleep paralysis story that involves my ankles being grabbed, but I think the last time I talked about that story was maybe six or seven years ago. So, if you're an old-time fan, maybe you know that story. If not, maybe I'll share it again sometime soon. Um, But let me know. What's the creepiest thing that's ever happened to you while you were sleeping? Have you ever had an experience with sleep paralysis yourself? I'd love to hear your story, maybe include it in the next True Scary Stories video. Until then, I want to give a quick thank you to all of our $5 patrons and members. Absinth Alice, Amethyst, Amet, Anne Barry, Bubbly Panda, Caroline, Christina Smith, CT, Deborah Tychus, Elizabeth Watkins, LSG, Furious Weasel, If and Down Flat Out, Jennifer Dameron, Jesse Jess Jess, Justinia Zaromsky, Karen Parrot, Kat, Kathy Fanning, Lee Riggs, Laura, Lindsay Pruitt, Melody Evans, Melissa Berwick, Mindy Bannon, Moon Potato, Nicholas Moore, Nora, Nova Nocturne, Patricia Rodea, PJ Masks, Ray Clegg, Sentinel, The New Ongoing 24, Tiger Princess, Tish Love, Triumph, and Victoria Step. Thank you all so much for the continued support, and thank you to everyone who shows up and comments and watches the videos. Really, really appreciate all of you. I hope you all have a wonderful day, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are. And as always, take care of each other.